Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. As I mentioned last week when I was asked to fill in for a little while on this uh, portion of the midday programming at KSL, little did I know that it'd feel like a little bit of a flashback to 1998 and 1999 with the impeachment then of uh, President Bill Clinton and now the conversation, the inquiry into impeachment of President Donald Trump. So we've had the opportunity to talk with many of our representatives and I've been looking forward to the opportunity to talk with my congressman uh, from the 4th Congressional District in the state of Utah, Representative Ben McAdams. And Ben, welcome. Thank you for accepting our invitation. It's always good to chat with you. You too, Doug. It's great to hear your voice back on the radio. Well, that's very kind of you. You know, before we talk about the obvious, you know, the elephant in the room, as it were, back in Washington, D.C., there are some things that you've been working on that I've been monitoring that I'm interested in. And you've got to tell us a little bit about the Safe Banking Act. With all of the states now, Utah included, who are taking steps into the arena of medicinal cannabis, marijuana, I understand there's some real banking hassles associated with that, and you've been a, uh, uh, supporting a bipartisan passage of a bill. Yeah, and thanks for asking, Doug. You know, with the, the back and forth with the president seems to consume all the news, which is frustrating to me because my time is spent on so many other things that are important to Utahns, like health care and prescription drugs, and, and we're working on this banking bill. So uh, m- marijuana has been legalized in 43 states to varying degrees. Utah has legalized it for medicinal purposes. And, uh, and yet it's still illegal at the federal level. So, um, the problem is Utah, for example, if, if we're going to sell medical marijuana pursuant to state law, um, you can't take a credit card. If you take a credit card, then the bank that's issued that credit card could lose their banking charter because it, uh, they would be seen in the eyes of the federal government as financing a drug trade. They can't make a loan to build a facility. They can't uh, make payroll for employees. And so what we've said is, you know, I, uh, I don't think that Congress is ready to legalize even medical marijuana at this point. There's not bipartisan support for that. But what we, the, the bill before the committee was to say, can we not agree that if the states have taken action like Utah did, that we would at least say that the banks can uh, and act in accordance with state law without repercussions at the federal level? Because the alternative is you've got a cash business. You've got hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars in cash that's floating around. Uh, that's actually dangerous. That cash could find its way into financing terrorism, financing other illegal drugs, human trafficking, uh, tax evasion and tax fraud. We don't want a cash business of that magnitude. It's just not safe for society. So can't we agree that if a business is complying with their state's laws, like Utah's medical marijuana law, that um, we won't 
punish the banks for financing that industry. So that was the legislation that actually, I'm on the committee uh, of jurisdiction, I'm on the banking committee where this was considered, and uh, we passed it with bi- strong bipartisan support, and it, it actually passed the House uh, with a uh, majority of Utah's congressional delegation, Republican and Democrat voting for it. I had the support of Governor Herbert, support uh, in by form of a, a resolution from the Utah State Legislature. And, you know, I think it's, it's it's good to see that there are still things happening in Washington in a bipartisan fashion. Not enough, but but we're able to get some work done. And, and that legislation is now on its way to the Senate. I think we are hopeful that the Senate uh, can find, probably there will be some modifications in the Senate, but that we can find some agreement and get this bill onto the president's desk and, and solve that problem that is, uh, you know, affecting uh, people right here in Utah. In some of the information I read on that, there was one phrase that really got my attention that uh, federal law prevents banks from offering financial services, as we've talked about, that forces commerce to be carried out with cash-filled duffel bags. You know, usually when you have cash-filled duffel bags or garbage bags floating around, that's not a good thing. We'll watch this closely, and I'll, I'll be curious to see how it does fare over in the Senate. Ben, let's talk about the the elephant in the room. Uh, as I mentioned, I was really surprised last week. All of a sudden, bam, I'm, I'm having flashbacks to 1998 and uh, 1999 and the conversations going on uh, at that time around the impeachment of President Bill Clinton. And what is it like back in Washington, D.C. right now? And I appreciate the chance to chat with you, especially because you are our lone uh, representative in the federal delegation who actually can walk into the democratic cloakroom what's going on back there yeah well i will say first of all um you know the media uh gives the perception that this is all that's happening in washington and and i really couldn't be further from the truth in the sense that i'm not on any of the committees that are dealing with this so my work day in and day out is on legislation that i think is important but probably fairly mundane uh in the eyes of the media understandably working on protecting people from fraud and suicide prevention and Healthcare and, and other things, and and that's kind of what my days like uh, on a regular basis. But look, I realize uh, at the same time these are these are serious times that that we're living in, and um, you know the allegations uh, against President Trump, I think um, they're serious. There are questions about whether President Trump abused his power and and harmed our national security for his own personal gain. Those are very serious allegations, and they deserve a deliberate process for us to to get to the bottom of that. What I want is to get all the facts on the table, and I'm going to carefully review the evidence uh, at that point. Um, Throughout this whole process, I have consistently said – supported that, that we, we've got to get the facts on the table and Congress needs to receive the documents and fulfill its constitutional duty uh, of oversight. But I'm also not going to prejudge the outcome. I think far too many people have, have jumped to a conclusion before the process has even started. I'm, I'm going to refuse to prejudge the outcome. I actually see my role kind of like a, a grand juror in a court proceeding. And it's important for me to re- remain impartial until the process is concluded. I need to be able to look my constituents in the eye and whatever I decide on, uh, on the outcome of this process, I want them to know that I acted with integrity and without partisanship. Uh, and so I'm going to remain impartial until this process is concluded. And so, you know, I'm happy, always happy to talk to you, Doug, but I kind of want to set the expectations as well that while this process is underway, you're not going to see me reacting to every news headline or every tweet or every story of the moment. Um, I just don't think that's, that's proper as someone who needs to remain objective and neutral until this process is concluded. Um, so I'm going to 
keep working as I as I do on on the things that I can impact the legislation where I can make a difference and working to to build relations on the other side of the aisle uh, to get stuff done while this process moves forward and then uh, when it has concluded yeah I presume I'll be called upon to to cast a vote and at that time I will assess the information that's in front of me and uh, and I'll I'll probably prayerfully make a decision about how I'm going to proceed. Representative Ben McAdams on the line with us from Washington, D.C., 4th District Congressman in the state of Utah and our only Democrat in the federal delegation. You know, you mentioned trying to, to remain fair and trying to keep your mind open and trying to really look for the truth. I'm not kidding you, Ben. In a lot of these uh, hearings that I've heard, it just seems like so many people have the agenda. They aren't, aren't there interested in so much asking probing questions that really could get to the truth. They're more interested in their own personal statement and counting coup for either their cause, their their party, their reelection, whatever it might be. I see that on both sides of the aisle, by the way, those who blindly go to the support of those that seem to, including, I was a little surprised of, uh, at Nancy Pelosi. She was speaking in such definitive terms that this president has violated the Constitution. It wasn't this president may have violated the Constitution and we want to get to the truth. This pers- this president has betrayed the American people. You know, we don't want to find out if the president has betrayed the American people. It's troubling on both sides of the aisle. Ben, I'm going to ask you a straight-up question. Have you received any pressure at all? Because just as was the case back in 1998 and 1999, Republicans were on the side or in the arena that Democrats now find themselves in and i know at the time there was a lot of arm twisting on uh, on republicans to go after bill clinton have you had your arm twisted yeah well i will tell you doug first of all i agree with you it's on both sides of the aisle i think it is wrong for people to declare that they're going to impeach and uh, wrong for people to declare that under no circumstances will they impeach there have been serious allegations raised and this is a serious duty that we're engaged in right now. Uh, the fact-finding process is, is warranted. And we've got to see what happens, what facts come forward before we make a decision. I, I, um, when I first got into Congress, there was, I'm one of the people who's most likely to cross over and vote with the Republicans. And, and uh, they came to me at one point and they said, you know, in the sake of party unity, you should really uh, think about these votes you're casting with the other side. And I said to them at the time, I said, well... Party unity is actually not a value that I espouse, but if party unity is really important to you, um, I'll tell you in advance how I'm going to vote, and you can vote with me for the sake of party unity. And uh, I kind of laid down the law. I laid down the law from the beginning that um, I'm going to be, I'm going to represent my district, and that's going to put me sometimes siding with the Democrats, but sometimes siding with the Republicans, and I'm not going to apologize for that, and I'm not going to buckle to any pressure. So um, I, I haven't had anybody... Um, directly coming up to me and saying that I need to support this. Nobody in Congress. Uh, but that's probably because I just set the expectation that I won't tolerate that. I do have, you know, a lot of my constituents who are concerned that, um, that I haven't made a statement in support of impeachment. And, and I will again say, I think that would be highly inappropriate for me to, before this process has even started, let alone concluded, to declare uh, what my position will be uh, at the outcome. I think the process needs to have integrity. The American people need to believe up or down that the process was fair and objective.
And, and that's, you know, that's the position that I've taken, and I'm going to stand by it because I think it's the right thing to do. Speculation at this point is a bit of a fool's errand, and I'm, I'm not really asking you to go into that arena. But how much of a head of steam is behind this, especially on the Democratic side of the aisle? Is there enough uh, interest in and perhaps pursuit of the impeachment that it, it uh, I, don't, I don't know what the odds are of it uh, coming to a vote in the House. But boy, right now there seems to be a lot of exercise people on this one yeah well i think you know we've seen uh from for three years ever since president trump was elected people talking about impeachment and i think that's really unfortunate because uh they really um at this point they have no credibility i think it feels like they've cried wolf that they want to impeach president trump because they don't like his policies but because they don't like some of his offensive language and offensive tweets. I'm not going to excuse those. There are many of his policies that I think are harmful. Some of his policies that I actually agree with, but some of them that I don't. But you don't impeach a president because you disagree with them. You don't impeach a president because you find them offensive. You you vote against them is what you do when you find it offensive. And so I think it's unfortunate that so many people have been out there crying impeachment for so long that uh, we find ourselves right now, Doug, um, with some really serious allegations on the table. And, and I don't think that, you know, we allegations that, that suggest that the president has abused his power and compromised our national security in support of his own personal interests. Those are serious allegations. I don't want to minimize those in any way. But And so I think that fact-finding and understanding what happened and what the president's intentions were and what his intentions are um, is incredibly important. But uh, in order, I think in order for me to have the credibility with my constituents that I'm doing this with the utmost integrity and and no partisanship in mind, uh, they need to know that I'm going to remain objective and, and keep an open mind. Uh, and not make any conclusions until the whole process is concluded. Congressman, I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much, Ben. It's always a pleasure to uh, chat with you, and uh, we'll look for some other opportunities, okay? Thank you, Doug. Happy birthday. Oh, (laughs) thank you. Congressman Ben McAdams, representing the 4th Congressional District here in the state of Utah. And as I have alluded to and mentioned, uh, he is our Democratic voice back in Washington, D.C., the only one of our federal delegation who can walk into the the, the cloakroom and kind of see that side of whatever argument is occurring back in Washington, D.C. I so appreciate you joining us on Inside Sources today here at KSL News Radio. Thank you for your participation, your tech. Texts, uh, emails, and so on.